from beautiful downtown Southern Maryland. It's time for Gears of Resistance episode number 17 for the 30th of October, 2017, 2015. Gosh, that's two years in the future, 2017. Why is 2017 on my mind? Uh, Anyway, uh, we are a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest in open source hardware news, tips and tricks for doing tinkering with electronics and some advice on running a business based on open source hardware every now and then something like that. Really don't know what this podcast is about, to be honest with you. Anyway. Uh, so this week's going to be just more kind of a couple news stories. Um, I've got no really words of wisdom this week cause I've pretty much tapped that well. I think, um, I will uh, let's start off here, though. Uh, I am going to uh, ask for some support. Let me see if I can bring this up. All right, so uh, next Saturday, November 7th, is uh, Game Day 2015. Uh, and so what is it? It's, it's, um, it's brought to us by an organization called Extra Life. Um, and the idea is it's a, uh, it's a charity. It's a, a fundraising activity where gamers will spend 24 hours uh, playing games online to help raise money for charity. Um, 100% of the proceeds go to uh, various children's hospitals around the country. Um, I'm personally playing for Johns Hopkins Children's Center uh, since Johns Hopkins is uh, where I went to school. So... Um, with that, we're uh, looking to raise a couple bucks. Um, so if you head over, I'll have links to it. Um, you can uh, sign up. You can either sign up to join a team and play as well for 24 hours and may have your own donation page. Um, or you can uh, go ahead and donate. And, you know, if it's a $1, $5, $10, whatever you can spare, uh, again, all that money, uh, 100% of it, uh, goes to, uh, in my case, Johns Hopkins Children's Center. And from there, you can read all about it. There's some videos that explain what it is, what is Extra Life about, um, and how they operate. So um, it would be awesome if uh, we could uh, raise a couple bucks. I think we're, we've raised a couple bucks already. Um, but a couple more, again, for a good cause that is... Uh, the uh, Children's Miracle Network hospitals um, around, again, around the country. Um, and they treat, I think they say here, they treat thousands of children every year. Um, and they do so regardless of the family's ability to pay. So um, this is a way to kind of um, help um, the, uh, the hospitals pay for those bills. Um, and it's, they do everything. So, you know, these are kids facing uh, cancer, cystic fibrosis, um, and then, you know, injuries just from accidents because, well, kids are kids. So um, it's going to be powered by, I guess, uh, Twitch, uh, which is, well, I think I'll broadcast from there. 
um, for the 24 hours. I think it starts, if I, if I recall correctly, in years past, it usually started at like 8 a.m. Saturday and ran till 8 a.m. Sunday. But I will check and verify and put that out. So anyway, um, one with the news. All right, first story, the Orange Pi, which is a new single board computer that's looking to challenge the Raspberry Pi. And uh, it's got some pretty good specs. Um, it's got built-in uh, built Wi-Fi, uh, micro SD, uh, an infrared receiver. Um, there is, I believe, four USB ports, uh, HDMI out, uh, microphone. Um, what else is on there? Um, a SATA interface, so you can, I think it's, you can, ups, you can uh, attach up to, I think, a two terabyte hard drive. Uh, gigabit Ethernet, and it's all powered by a uh, ARM Cortex A7 quad core uh, CPU. Um, I think there's uh, one board, it's got a gig of DDR RAM, and I think eight gigs of flash memory. Um, what else did I remember reading? Oh, it's compatible. It's going to run uh, Raspbian, just like the Raspberry Pi, or um, Android. So that's pretty cool. And you're probably asking yourself, how much does this cost? Well, apparently it's going to be sold for um, 39 bucks. $39. Um, basically... The computer I bought like four or five years ago for a couple hundred dollars can now be had for 39 bucks, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to see who's making this. Obviously, it's a group. Um, that's kind of similar. I don't know if it's a, I don't know. I don't know if they're academically backed like Raspberry Pi or if this is a, uh, I think this is kind of like a uh, Chinese company that's taking uh, the concept of the Raspberry Pi and kind of, um, you know, adding their spin. And, of course, you just can't beat the pricing of getting stuff manufactured in China. So, or I don't know if you can really even get it anywhere else. So, anyway... Um, Check that out if you're curious. Uh, I don't know when they are they shipping now. Last time I checked, they weren't shipping yet. Let's see, AliExpress. Uh, yeah, I guess so. They're shipping 892 orders. Um, oh wow, I got two dollars off anything over two dollars. Um, so price is $39 and shipping is $3.85 to the U.S. Uh, and delivers within 5 to 15 days uh, after, so, and it says it ships out within 7 days. So, um, you know, it's probably the normal 2 to 3 weeks. But for $39 for 42 with shipping for a pretty friggin' awesome computer, um, it seems like it's a pretty good deal. All right, next story. There's yet another new Arduino out, the Arduino 101. It's the first uh, Arduino product or, um, yeah, first Arduino product to be powered by Intel's Curie system on a chip module. Uh, they, I think they announced this earlier this year or last year at one of their maker fairs. So basically, um, 
it is a uh, CPU, but it also has built-in Bluetooth low energy, um, a six-axis accelerometer and gyroscope, and something called an accelerator. I thought they meant accelerometer until they said accelerometer accelerometer uh, later. They're saying an accelerator for gesture recognition. Um, so that's actually the, the CPU, the brain of the computer or the of the microcontroller, um, which would probably be that shit there, big boy in the middle. But it also then comes in just the normal uh, Arduino uno kind of form factor that we're all used to so the idea is this is um the prototype board like a lot of arduinos are but it's got definitely a lot more uh horsepower than the old venerable uno and uh once you know once you've prototyped and breadboarded up a, a concept you'll be able to to potentially manufacture a much smaller board with just the curie chip uh, enough product. So something like a wearables product or some sort of internet of things, um, obviously with an accelerometer and uh, gesture recognition it is kind of geared towards more of the wearables, physical computing kind of uh, projects. Um, so if you're curious, I think yeah, 30 bucks. So this one, so about the same for uh, most of these um Arduinos and this type of form factor. So yeah, and I think overseas it's being sold under the Gen Genuino Genuino Genuino. I'm not sure. I like. If, I'm a fan of that title, the Genuino 101 brand. Thank you. Copyright issues and laws. Uh, all right. Next story, Anthony Bourdain. So. Um, unless you've been living in Iraq under the past probably 10 years or so, uh, Anthony Bourdain has done a, uh, a bunch of series on various networks, uh, usually um, around either food, uh, chefs, uh, restaurants. I think lately they've kind of broadened them out to just kind of more travel in general. Um, with that, he's kind of even making the spreading his, you know, after a while there's only so many times you can travel in, to different big cities in the world and, so many good restaurants. So uh, he's got a new, uh, I guess it's a online video. It's a web only video series called raw craft. And it's going to, um, the, the initial run is six episodes long, uh, which again, you can watch them on YouTube, which is pretty cool. And the idea of raw craft is he's going to be traveling the world, but this time he's going to be talking to people that make stuff, artisans uh, that do things by, you know, make things by hand the old way. Um, so it's a cool premise. It definitely fits with the maker attitude. Um, real quick, I'll run through the episodes. So the first episode is called the burrow furnace. He's going to talk to some folks uh, that make iron skillets by hand. Uh, then there's Frank Shattuck. Shattuck. Um, he's apparently a tailor. And what does they say here? Uh, well, he just says he's a tailor. So I'm assuming it's a clothing. Perhaps he makes clothes. I don't know. You'll have to find out. Uh, Steve Goodson. He makes saxophones. Uh, Bob Kramer um, makes kitchen knives. Episode 5, Aaron or Arian, Arian Press. Um, he is still making old-style printing presses, uh, so that make, um, I guess he makes uh, handcrafted and books using um, 
you know, the more traditional older kind of uh, printing presses. Gutenberg would be happy. Uh, and then the last one is called Dufftown, which I can only think is, uh, they're a whiskey distillery. Um, so that probably would be a very popular episode. So anyway, check it out. Um, we're all craft with Anthony Bourdain. I think this could potentially be a really cool, I, I've been thinking about it. It'd be really cool to do a, something similar, but kind of like visit all the maker spaces around the world and see what are, you know, does, does do different maker spaces have different, um, focuses because of where they exist in the world and, and what kind of things do they tackle based on where they're at. So anyway, uh, raw craft, Anthony Bourdain, check it out. All right. Here's another cool story. Um, for, as we all know, we're about a month out from star Wars, the force awakens. Um, and this is kind of, um, a little nod to makers and people that kind of do the cosplay, do your do-it-yourself lightsabers and how good they've gotten over the last couple of years. Um, apparently for filming in The Force Awakens, um, the lightsabers they used were um, basically slightly customized versions of the stuff that you can, the Force FX lightsabers that you can buy. So Force FX is kind of like, um, you know, premium brands. Um, but again, what they what the point was is that um, because they're so good, because these things that were you know they're not made by um, <clears throat> the uh, the Hollywood um, production crews, they kind of did a commercial off the shelf buy, and what they were able to do is use those lightsabers because they give off a nice glow. So when they're when they're doing post production, instead of having to go back in and um, they, they did, they, I mean, they still added the actual, they rotoscope the actual lightsaber, but the glow that was cast on the actors, they didn't have to put that in because they just relied on the glow that the force FX lightsabers were casting off. So they were able to get a nice uh, visual without having to do a lot of post-production that they would have done perhaps, um, in the past. Cause if you, if you look at, at least, from what I recall of Star Wars over the years, um, <clears throat> lightsaber battles have always been kind of, except for um, Return of the Jedi at the end, there were always, the lightsabers always kind of been in kind of brightly lit um, situations. But the, the more darker look of Force Awakens, I think um, having a natural ambiance with the lightsaber light. I think uh, it does look really good. Um, and though you could have probably done that with after, you know, special effects afterwards, I think a, it helps the actors get into the role more B. It just probably does look a little bit better and heck of a lot easier to deal with uh, just rotoscaping, rotoscoping the blade and then having, not having to do any of the other lighting effects. So anyway, the point of the whole story to bring up is it's pretty cool that, um, you know, makers are getting so good at with their craft that, you know, they can be used in professional situations. And that's that. Oh, boom, boom, boom. Uh, so every three years uh, here in the U S the library of Congress, um, updates, um, exemptions for the digital millennium copyright act. Um, 
under its DRM circumvention walls. So, um, <clears throat> the DCMA needs to just be um, repealed in general. Until then, it is good to see that uh, every couple of years they listen to um, the nation and industry and people and uh, make certain exemptions of things that, um, if you do it, you're not technically violating DCMA. So things like um, ripping DVDs and Blu-rays to make fair use remixes, uh, preserving video games and running multiplayer servers after publishers have abandoned them, jailbreaking cell phones, tablets, and other portable devices um, so that they can run third-party software, uh, 3D printing, uh, security research and modification and repairs on your personal cars um, were all accepted. There were some devil in the details that uh, thankfully the EFF uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation has done a good job of laying that out. So we'll post the link um, in the show notes. But uh, again, you know, nothing's perfect. Uh, government is a slow by design. And um, at least though we are slowly kind of, you know, taking away um, the unintended consequences that the DMCA kind of violated fair use in a lot of ways. Um, and we're slowly kind of correcting that. So if you're interested, uh, what's changed with the DMCA, uh, you can check out the link from EFF. All right. Um, gosh, many, many years ago, probably back 10, 15 years ago, ran across a site called allaboutcircuits.com, which was a, had a pretty good uh, tutorial. It was kind of like an ebook on the web um, of you know learning about circuit design, learning about electronics. Uh, here recently, though, they've had, it looks like, a pretty major uh, overhaul of their website. So whereas before it was kind of, there was a, there was a forum, uh, but the actual articles that, or the book itself was kind of separate. Um, they've kind of revamped themselves in there. Oh, they have a really good projects page. They have a really good articles page, um, forums, blog posts. So if you haven't checked about, uh, checked out all about circuits, uh, in a while, uh, it's probably something you should, it's a pretty good resource now. Um, not that it wasn't before, but now it's just, it's got that little bit of extra. Um, and, um, yeah, I would just say, check it out. They've got some social media links now too. So, you know, that's gotta be good, right? All right. Next story. MIT launches their solve conference. Uh, they hope that it becomes the beginning of a global movement. So kind of like, uh, a Ted, the Ted talks, um, MIT is looking to start up a conference again called Solve, um, which is focusing on, quote, bringing experience and inspired people together to solve some of the world's most challenging prog- problems. The inaugural event, which, which has a full program that will span four days, is hopes to attract students, technologists, philanthropists, business leaders, policymakers, and more to discuss technology and innovation and policy issues. Um, solve must, uh, to participate in solve, people must be either be researchers working on breakthrough technology or philanthropists sorting social entrepreneurs. Hmm. So that's kind of researchers. Does that mean they're limiting this to the academic world? Um, because you know, a lot of the innovation in the world is, is not happening, um, 
in, in academic institutions or big companies or government, um, more and more it's these, uh, you know, real innovation, my personal opinion is happening in the garages and the maker spaces. Um, and not to say that there's not big stuff happening, um, at the other institutions, but, uh, seems kind of a little narrow minded if they're, I, mean, I guess it depends on who they define as a researcher. Just my limited experience in the world of academia is researchers tend to mean PhD or something like that. So anyway, um, if you're interested, want to learn more, we'll share the links, um, on solve. Uh, and then there's the links to the actual conference itself. Uh, I'm trying to see when, when are they planning to have it? I don't know if it's here. Let's, let's click on their actual link here. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Join us and change the world. Yep. Uh, oh, I guess it already happened. October 5th through the 8th of this year. So I will do some scouring and I'll see if they put, if they do something like Ted talk and put, uh, the videos, if they record videos of their uh, talks and put those up. So I thought this had not happened yet, but apparently it already has. All right. Last story. Um, a new product. I'm not sure if it's open source officially, but it was so cool that I kind of, I guess we'll make an exception if it's not. Um, it's, it's a product and a service called Outernet. Um, and it's basically for a hundred bucks, you get this little box and it's not really intended for the, you know, developed nations. It is meant for more developing nations. Um, but the idea is to kind of, uh, Give everyone who's not on the internet, you know, the 50% plus of the world population that's not on the internet, um, at least the read-only access to internet, kind of like the, the way they kind of describe it is, it's imagine it's like going to the public library. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a little step back in some ways, but in other ways, it's a huge step forward. So, you know, whereas the internet, we're in, in web 2.0 and 3.0, we're very accustomed to interacting with the internet, right? Where it's a social media experience. It's a two-way conversation. But if you remember back in the 90s, a lot of us weren't making content for the internet. We were simply um, receiving. We were. Uh, it was a one-way communication. We would surf the web and just read what was out there. Well, outernet, if you take a, a satellite dish, kind of like what you would have from Dish TV, this little black box that then puts out a Wi-Fi signal, and there's kind of it's a curated experience where, but now people from all around the world who don't have the fiber optic runs, who don't have the internet service providers, but because they live on planet Earth, they're blanketed under a um, uh, a bunch of satellites. They can now at least get um, some data uh, and benefit from the internet again in a way kind of like a lot of us experienced uh, in the 90s where it was a read only but still it's the argument is that's still better than nothing right um, and that's always 
um, something that a lot of times technologists and engineers have a hard time getting their head around is that, you know, you'll want to have the perfect solution. Well, sometimes you don't need the perfect solution. Sometimes you need the good enough solution. Um, and this seems to be a pretty friggin' awesome thing. So the other, the other cool thing about it is that you guess you can become a kind of distributor. So if you sign up with OuterNet, um, then you, you can kind of, um, <clears throat> And sell, you can get, so basically it's discounts, right? Um, 15% discount if you buy 10 or more. Um, then you get marketing materials. They call it their beta partner level. Um, they have something called a, an emerging partner level, which is, again, you order 100 of these. They, and they're calling their, the devices that you that you buy are called lighthouses. So it's basically, that's the block, the box. Again, you have to uh, hook up it, hook it up to a um, a satellite dish again, something again you would see with Dish TV. Um, but then it puts out a Wi-Fi signal, and there's a couple other little nuances, things like how much data you can get every day. Um, but I think, let me see here. Let me see where my complimentary 30% discount. So yeah, so it looks like, so what varies at each different level is you get a little bit more data, you get deeper discounts on the per unit price. Um, and then they're granting exclusivity. Um, so again, the idea is you become a distributor for them. So if you buy, so I guess their big state, the core partner, um, you buy a thousand units, and what they'll do is they will make sure that you have exclusive rights to sell your thousand units um, within the, the your. I don't know where how they define is it within like you know fifty miles, a hundred miles. Um, you get to kind of be the sole provider of uh, outer nets uh, for a certain time. <laughs> So anyway, uh, if you're interested, it's outernet.is. And again, we'll put the links up in there. But um, it seems like it's a pretty cool idea. It, you know, it, it, it does harken back to kind of like the old curated, kind of like Yahoo of old, where, you know, you relied on people to kind of curate what got sent. Because you, know, you, you only have so much data you can send up to the satellite. And that defines what experiences what people have their experience with, with the internet or the outer net or whatever you want to call it. Um, yes, it's a little bit, it's a little bit hampered co- compared to what most of us understand the internet to be. But again, when you realize that 50% of the world plus doesn't even have access, uh, access at all. Um, you know, sometimes getting started doing something like outer net, uh, is definitely a, uh, step in the right direction. And I will end my rant with that. So, boom, 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 boom. I think that's yeah. That was the last story for the week. Um. So again, this was kind of more of a news story episode. Uh, next week, we'll try to maybe get back into some more, maybe a tutorial or something. I've got some projects I'm working on. I think I'm getting to the point where I can start to share a little bit. Um. So with that. Uh, head over to uh, gearsofresistance.com. We'll put links to everything we talked about. Uh, big thing, 
if you don't click on anything else, uh, again, really encourage you to hit up the Extra Life link where you can uh, either sign up and join me in the 24-hour gaming next week, um, or you can donate uh, to the cause. Again, I'm playing for uh, Johns Hopkins. Um, but you can link from there. You can find other people playing all across the country and probably the world. And if you want to donate to a certain uh, um, children's hospital, there's probably someone playing for one that's in your neck of the woods too. And with that, I will bid adieu. And um, I guess thank you all very, very much for listening. And until next time, we can't say keep it steamy. That's the other one. Stay quirky, turn the gears, be a cog in the wheel. Something, I don't know. We'll have to come up with something catchy. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Oh, 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 oh.